0: So today, Matt Haining is here to talk to us about Global Mission. So without further ado, Matt. Rick, appreciate that. So yeah, as Rick said, we're walking through our values and practices this summer, and I am going to talk about Global Mission, and that's basically because I was a global missionary for seven years. Um, so, <clears throat> just as a way of introduction. Whoa, who is that handsome fellow off to the left? Oh my goodness. That's when I met Rick Vogt. About 25 years ago, he was my youth pastor at Tigered Covenant Church. I know, Kevin, look at him. <laughs> Check him out. That was 30-year-old Rick. Um, Yeah, so that's where our relationship began about 25 years ago. Um, I went to college shortly after that, where I met Corinne. Corinne, raise your hand. Thank you. We got married um, like two minutes after we graduated. (laughs) And we went to China. And if you were here three years ago, I think it was three years ago, um, I got up here and spoke with my friend John John, who's holding my son there. And John is one of my closest friends. in in life, and he's a Chinese believer, follower of Jesus. Jesus. He's now training in, where is he, Corinne? Kentucky, yeah, at a seminary, and um, looking to go back to China and continue planting churches. So that's awesome. Um, We came back to Portland for a few years. We started a family. There you see them. That was just last weekend on Kids' Day, by the way. All three of them, one, two, three. And then um, before some of them were born, we moved to Myanmar, also called Burma, uh, for three years. And that was about five years ago. And down there on the lower right, you see our ministry team, uh, Lisu Chin people from the nation of Burma. And at that time, we, um, I didn't say this earlier, at that time, we were preventing children from being sold into slavery with a group called Remember New. And while we were in China, we were teaching English to university students with a group called ELIC, English Language Institute China, and uh, Making Disciples. So that's kind of why I'm here today, all right? Uh, thanks, Kevin. We'll go to the next slide. Um, <clears throat> I work at an elementary school now. I'm an elementary school counselor, and I teach about 100 lessons per year. So um, excuse the sort of elementary picture uh, program. That's where it comes from, Okay, But what we're going to do is this. We're going to walk through um, a foundation, lay a foundation for God's global mission, just for for a few minutes. In a group like this, I know, because I know many of you, that you know these things, and so we're going to breeze over it, but I want to lay a a good, strong foundation for why we care about the nations. So uh, Genesis, creation, the fall, right? Before the fall, man and uh, woman are made in the image of God. Together they bear the image of God, okay, And then shortly after the fall, well, not shortly, history back then was kind of stretched out over a long period of time. There was the flood because corruption had filled the earth, right? And God started over with a family, Noah's family and his three sons and their wives, okay? And a couple hundred years, a few hundred years after the flood, same story. And it brings us to the Tower of Babel. And I'm going to paraphrase it like this. So people had sort of spread out after the flood. They had time to have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and all that. And they found a new home in the plain of Shinar. And this is kind of what they were saying to each other. Let's consolidate what we have. Look at us. We all speak the same language. We have one culture. Look at these resources that are available to us. And let us build a city and make a name for ourselves. Let us build a tower that reaches up into the heavens, and we will be amazing. We will be like God. Okay? And it kind of reminds me of Genesis chapter 3 when Satan says, You will be like God if you eat the fruit. Your eyes will be open. God knows this. Right? So there's this, this bent in our human nature to do it ourselves, okay? Um, very sh- Okay, but that didn't happen, right? God had a different plan. Um, he had plans for diversity. He had plans for spreading out and filling the earth, displaying his glory and his love and his goodness everywhere, not just in one place, one culture, one people, one language. Okay. So what appears to be basically a punishment for sin at the end of Genesis 11 and it, it 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 is it's also God advancing his missional purpose for the world. Right? He created language. He came down, he confused their languages. They were no longer understanding each other, and so they said, "Let's spread out." And they did. Amazing. Brilliant. And this sets us up very nicely for Abraham or Abram. In Genesis chapter 12, Katie, will you read for us? Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. What happened with Abraham? A lot of people over many centuries have gotten together and studied what does that mean? We know that families means ethnic groups or people groups. People who uh, identify together um, as speaking the same language, having the same culture, traditions, things like that. And we also know that the vehicle for experiencing this blessing is faith in Jesus the Messiah, okay? Genesis 1 through 12 is very significant and lays out for us uh, what follows in the rest of the Bible. Um, We're gonna fast forward to Jesus and there's this huge gap between Abraham and Jesus, but we're we're just gonna do it that way today. Um, At this point, um, track with me here, in Jesus' ministry he has, so he's completed his ministry, He was crucified, he rose from the dead, and is now speaking to his disciples at the very beginning of the book of Acts. And before he ascends into heaven, he says these words, Keith, what does he say? Thank you so much. Yeah. And so Jesus is basically saying, we're going to start here with us Jews, and the gospel is going to move outward from here. And it's not going to stop at uh, Judea or even Samaria, but it's going to go to the ends of the earth. Okay. Uh, Next slide, Kevin. Then you have the rest of the New Testament. And we get to John's futuristic vision of where all history is going. And it goes like this in chapter 7. John saw a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne of God. Everyone's there. I don't mean every individual. I mean people from every culture are there. Okay. Now, what's really nice is that, um, I don't know, 50 years ago, a bunch of people got together who were studying mission and they were like, let's create an academic discipline of mission. So, missiologists got together and said, we need to understand these things so that we can be strategic in the way that we serve God to carry out the Great Commission. Um, so, they looked at Acts 1 8. And they said, you know what this is kind of like? This is kind of like an evangelism scale, right? Um, It's kind of like when we share the gospel of Jesus with people in the church, we might call that E0 because we're not crossing any boundaries. We speak the same language. We're from the same culture, most of us. Um, We are in the church. We're already believers. And so this kind of thing happens, right? Right? Um, Out there at the prayer rug, we pray for each other. Sometimes we need encouragement. Sometimes we need renewal. Okay? That's evangelism that doesn't cross boundaries. Uh, Then there's sharing the gospel outside of the church but in our culture. E1, evangelism one, for one boundary. And examples of that would be like sharing the good news at work. With friends and family who don't know Jesus. Congratulations, Sherwood. Really good one. Coming up. Uh, What if we decided to plant a church in Dundee? It's right down the street. Those people would understand us pretty well, right? We probably are all speaking the same language. E2 crosses yet another boundary and goes to a different culture. In Jesus' talk, this would be like um, Samaria, all right? It takes us more energy and effort and sacrifice to get there, okay? So mission trips to Latin America, Africa, some Asian countries, Europe, uh, generally considered to be open countries because of the ease with which we can get there. Not necessarily in COVID times, okay? Things have changed. Um, Maybe now it's E2.5, I don't know, right? (laughs) New ways to think about things. But that's kind of the main idea. And then when we take the gospel to a culture that is very, very different from us, and which might be considered a closed culture, closed to the gospel, closed to our influence, it's hard to get there. Maybe you have to take a plane, you know. Uh, This is a kind of a dramatic example. But maybe you have to take a plane to this place, and then you take a bus to this place, and then you have to get on the back of a guy's moped, and, you know, he tracks you through the mountains, and then, you know, you you land at this final destination, which is this village, and they're like, I've never seen a white person before, you know? Crossing boundaries to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what we're talking about there. All right. Make sense? Hang loose if it makes sense. Awesome. Thanks. All right, we're going to keep going. If 10 men are carrying a log, nine of them on the little end and one at the heavy end, and you want to help, which end will you lift on? What do you think? Heavy end. Yeah. The man that said this, what, what did you say, Kevin? The one nearest home. There you go. There you go. I hear you. The man that said this, his name was William Borden. This was a a little over 100 years ago, I think. And he said, go ahead and put it up there. He said this as he reflected on the numbers of Christian workers in the United States compared to those among unreached people groups. Ugh. Right? So I put this up there to sort of cause that feeling. This kind of a quote does that, right? If we take it at face value, let's say we do, let's answer this question together, and I'm, I'm really asking you. What are the things, one or two things, that get in the way of our lifting on the heavy end? What are cultural things that get in the way of us doing the E3 work? What do you think? Language. Yes. Say it loud. Comfort, Comfort. yeah. Okay. What's comfortable to you, Eddie? Yeah, totally, what we know, yeah. Right. I found that all the time when I was living in Myanmar, like driving a car, where um, defensive driving is not the rule, offensive driving is the rule. <laughs> okay? If, if there's another car that, and you, you know, you give four feet in front of you, they will s- kind of sneak in, right? Uh, or driving in Thailand on the left side. That was weird for me, right? It's just it's awkward. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. What else? Fear. Fear. Yeah, sure. Okay. Family, Right. Yeah. God told Abram to go away from his family, basically. That's hard. All right. Um, Thank you for sharing. I'm going to pick on one of our cultural values for a few minutes. Consumerism. Okay, go ahead. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And basically what he meant was, where you spend a lot of time and a lot of money that kind of reveals what's important to you. Okay, where your values lie. And this is not a Webster-approved definition. I made this up. Consumerism is when stuff and experiences take on more value than carrying out God's eternal purposes. Um, When I moved to Myanmar uh, eight or nine years ago, I knew that it was the poorest country in Southeast Asia. Okay, Stay behind the the speaker. I knew that it was the poorest country in Southeast Asia. I also knew that on a list of 180 countries ranked by the WHO, that it was 180 for healthcare standards. Right? Very poor. Very poor. Um, Most, I think it's 70% of the people in the country don't have electricity. And yet, you can join the Yangon Sailing Club. Okay? In the city where I live, they had this beautiful lake where uh, Aung San Suu Kyi, the democracy leader lady, right, lives. She has this um, house. And you can be a part of the club. Amazing, right? Everywhere we go, there is this... Strange distribution, right, of, of wealth and priorities, okay? Did you know that you can own that trailer? It has a deck, it has a sliding glass door, it has another door, um, it has a full-size kitchen, and it has a walk-in shower. And I don't know if those are skylight windows or what, but they look really cool. You can own this for $145,000. I would. (laughs) Like, if I wasn't going to buy a house in a year or two, I I might just buy that, right? My kids would ruin it. (laughs) And I am not immune to this just because I lived in a third world country. When the REI magazine comes to me in the mail, like every couple of months, like heroin. (laughs) Okay, I can't afford the trailer, right? But I desperately need this 16 by 8 tarp. It's fireproof. It's waterproof. It looks like a flying squirrel. For $550, I could fit that in to the budget. Maybe I could be a better missionary with that tarp. I mean, it's amazing what we tell ourselves to, you know, to fund our lifestyle. All right. John Piper said this, an $80,000 or $180,000 salary does not have to be accompanied by an $80,000 or $180,000 lifestyle. God is calling us to be conduits of his grace, not cul-de-sacs. Our great danger today is thinking that the conduit should be lined with gold. It shouldn't. Gold will not make the world think that our God is good. It will make the world think that our God is gold. Okay. Um, It's important to be aware of what we value in our culture, right? When we go on short-term trips. And in our discipleship, as we follow Jesus, it's really important to be praying about these things, I think. This is just one, right? One thing that we can talk about that gets in the way of reaching the nations. And we could, as you said, family, fear, uh, what's comfortable. There's a lot of things, right? But I wanted to bring our attention to this just for a few minutes. All right, Kevin. Um, Since I lived in Myanmar for a few years and it's fresh on my mind, I'm gonna spotlight that just for a couple of minutes. They're going through a lot as a nation right now and I would love to just give them, you know, a minute and a half of your time so that we can pray for them later today. Um, A year and a half ago, the military government took over. Okay, and I was there during a period of peace and prosperity and openness on the part of the government but after we left the military said you know what we see where democracy is going and it means less power for us and we don't like it so a year and a half ago they just shut it down they sent the tanks into the streets uh... just started shooting civilians um, and people still came out in great numbers and protested and that's what you're seeing there on the left um, <clears throat> Right now, Myanmar is a very closed country. However, in the last few months, as I'm talking with friends, missionaries who live there, or my local friends who live there and are leading ministries, what we're seeing is there are some cracks in the wall. Okay? One of which is um, I guess so I have, I'm friends with some German people who ministered to the Rohingya Islamic people. The Rohingya are basically a stateless people, people without a country. Myanmar doesn't want them. Bangladesh doesn't want them. So they kind of live in between the countries on boats. There's an island, um, a few islands, I think. Um, refugee camps, nobody wants them. And their god is Allah, so they have a harsh god, right? And they, and they live in a harsh environment. Um, but these German people that I know are, are successfully, at this time, operating a school, a business, they're making disciples, um, and doing media production. Uh, last one, I am connected to a seminary up in the northeast corner of Myanmar, in Kachin State. And uh, it's a seminary where people, uh, these guys in the front row, train people to... Um, to be pastors, missionaries, evangelists, E-0-3, e to three, you know, kind of everything in between. Um, and they reached out to me just the other day, and they said, you know what, this year we have 51 students, seven orphans, and because of what the military is doing, inflation is causing a lot of trouble for us. Um, it's hard to pay for gas and food and health care, and, you know, we're, we're doing okay. God is good, but it's a challenge. So um, just want to share that because in just a moment, we're going to move into um, prayer. And um, we here at Orchards have relationships and connections with people in a few different places around the world. Uh, Rick, Sherry, and David often, lead trips through Forward Edge to Haiti and Mexico. Is that right? And, and Tricia And Nicaragua. Nicaragua? Okay, love it, yeah. So we, right here at church, have opportunities to go on short-term trips. That includes Albania. Daniel just got back um, two weeks ago, something like that. And Daniel grew up in Albania. So he has lifelong connections there with pastors, leaders, missionaries, um, Go to the next slide, Kevin. And Corinne and I, of course, have connections in Myanmar. And I'm sure that as we start talking about world mission, there's going to be more that comes up. But for now, this is what we have. And it's good. Um, There are ways to to give financially to ministries in Albania, Myanmar, Forward Edge, um, ways to go on short-term mission. If you want to partner with people who are working in Albania or Myanmar, Um, you know, doing this kind of work, come talk to us. And I just put our names up there because that's the best way to move forward on this, is to come talk with us, okay? Um, Last thing I have today is just that I brought a bunch of books, books that I love to read, I've read over the years, and I would be happy to lend them to anyone who wants to borrow them. So way in the back there, Close to the donuts, there's seven or eight books that I love. Um, we could have coffee and talk about it. There's a sign-out sheet. If you are looking for something to do, um, which isn't most of us, <laughs> right? Um, then you know, take a book and we'll talk about it. But I'm excited to see where we will go together as we root, stay rooted in Jesus. Um, And we we begin to talk about global mission, and we pray together um, and bear fruit.